good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. You know, I, I'm sure that you can tell that we have some coordination of theme here between the colors and then the song matches uh, basically what the talk is. What we don't do is we don't coordinate between the, the meditation and the talk. So I write, my, I write the talk, or Reverend James writes the talk, and then I do the meditation, or, or Paul does the meditation, or Reverend Jay, uh, Janae does the meditation, and I, can, I am always blown away at how much the meditation is like, like spirits out going, okay, you write this part, and you write this part, and when you come together, you're all just talking about the same thing. It is so cool. So you're going to hear a lot of... Um, well, repetition today, which is cool. Love is not a thing. It's not tangible, but we talk about it all the time like we know what it is. <laughs> and most of us know what love feels like, but I suspect in many ways we don't really understand it. And when I went to the dictionary to look up love, I found it, it said an intense, feeling, an intense feeling of deep affection. Okay, um, you know, and this can apply to romance or physical interaction, and it can be a great interest in something that you find pleasure in. I mean, think of all the things that you, you say that you love. And then I looked up agape, and uh, Reverend James actually mentioned this the first week of this series. And what the, this particular dictionary used to define agape was simply brotherly love. So agape was more than just this personal love. It's like we love everybody. And someone a little while ago told me that, um, I think in Greek there are so many words for, it's sort of like there's a thousand words for snow with the Eskimos. There's all these different words for love with the Greeks. But all of these definitions refer to interaction with our material world. Think about, right? And so we attach many names or categories to love. Now, I have this image of the bulk food bins at the grocery store. And they're labeled parental love, romantic love, self-love, conditional love, unconditional love. Now, unconditional love costs more because there's no additives. <laughs> Platonic love, pure love. And then, of course, please use the scoop and you know, write the number on the twist tie and add it to the bag. That's how I was just like, okay, I picked from this bin of love and this bin of love and this bin of love. And all this labeling and sorting is a distraction. In our quest to find or do love correctly, we get lost, or at least I'm very confused a lot of the time, and probably some of you are too. We get caught up in the idea that one sort of love is higher or better than brand X love. And we, we 
get tied up because we don't think we have enough love. Or we think we can do it better. Or we get into a deservability mentality. You know, I don't deserve that. He doesn't deserve, they don't deserve my love. And it's all because we have forgotten or perhaps never realized the one truth. Love is. It is here. Now. Permeating this room, permeating our bodies, permeating everything. Love is the creative energy of this world. Love is the energy that makes us and it makes us who we are. We are never ever without love. Now, a good way to imagine this is to think about fish swimming around in water. It's part of their environment. They probably don't think about, well, okay, we're going to talk about fish thinking. That's a whole other talk. Um, but if, you know, they're, they're not probably going around thinking about the water. We don't think about the air. I mean, we do, but what I'm saying is, you know, we just live in the air. And the air is love. It is, and, and it is part of our environment, and it's what we live, move, and breathe in is love. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. The way we recognize love is through our feeling nature, as Paul mentioned in the meditation. Now, our opening definition of a feeling of intense affection well, you know, that's good, but what does that really mean? It's a physical feeling that we're talking about here. What does love feel like to you? Is it warm? Does it tingle? Do you feel peaceful and calm? Maybe you feel centered and safe. But you might say also that love is an emotion. Now, for the purposes of this talk, I'm going to separate feeling and emotion, and I'm going to suggest that feelings are the sensation that you have in your body, while emotion is the feeling plus story. So emotion is the story you build around your feeling. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, you might, you might feel a little bit nervous, and then you write a story about why you do that. Love is always active, and we feel it in different ways. The feeling that you have for a child is deep, but it's probably not easy to describe until you put a story to it. I love her warmth. You've got that feeling, but now you've written the story that you like her warmth and her joy. I love how smart he is. I just love them. These descriptions are for the benefit of others. I don't usually feel the need to explain to myself why I love something or someone. But since we like to interfere in each other's lives, <laughs> we might be asked why we love a certain person or a certain thing. And so when asked, we manufacture reasons because honestly, when you love someone, you just do. You just love them. Because love is. Love is here, now. Now there's a saying that you can't choose who you fall in love with. Some of you have had that experience, I'm sure, and most of us know this is true. Some of the very best stories of relationships I have ever heard are about people who 
were considered to be the most unlikely of couples and most unlikely of partners, and yet they had this wonderful, like, 50-year relationship. Love is. As I thought about this topic, it struck me that everything I was pondering related to the idea that love somehow lives outside of us. We look for love. We give love. We take love away. We, throw it, we take love, we throw it away. We withhold love. We think love dies. But since love is simply the active energy in our lives, there's nothing to give. There's nothing to take or lose or destroy. So why do we have that perception that there is a lack of love? The perception of the lack of love comes from the fog of fear. A Course in Miracles teaches that you cannot have love and fear together in the same place at the same time. You can either have one or the other. And for a long time, I thought that meant that if I was in fear, there was no love. It was gone. It didn't exist. It had dissolved. There was no love to be had. And I had to get rid of all my fear to get love back in. But then I realize, and I realize now, that love is present always. Love never changes or never wavers. It's just there. But when we are feeling fearful, our emotions, our stories, create a sort of fog that covers up or crowds out our perception of love. And here's an example. And those of you who have reared children will probably identify with this. And those of you who have it will probably too. It's like a child runs into the street, is almost hit by a car, and you rush into the street and you hug the child and you kiss them and you're so relieved and the love is flowing, and then you yell at the kid for running into the street. <laughs> and, they, and then you give them a lecture about looking both ways. Well, what happened there? The love didn't go away. But the fear was taking over at that point. And I was thinking, okay, so I'm talking about kids, but then I was thinking about there's a few older people here, and we probably do that same thing with each other when it's going about going down those steps or, you know, when the other things where the, the whole idea of falling might, might, might come into play. And, and what we do is like, you know, oh, thank God you're okay. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> you know, and, and so that, that fear... It just kind of comes up and, and we, we lose our place. Love is there. It's right there. And in those instances, I think that love and fear are intermingled. But for a moment, the fear becomes the, the, the dominant energy. Think about the times that you have the experience of fear and love commingling. Well, maybe not right now because I have more to say, but think about it later. The other thing that A Course in Miracles says or taught me is you are never upset for the reason you think. Now that is as far as I ever got in A Course in Miracles because at the age of, I think I was 32 or something, I got to that lesson in A Course in Miracles. I read that line, it knocked me back, it totally rearranged my brain, and I'm not exaggerating, and it changed my life. It was like, oh. If I'm upset, there might be some other reason than what's in front of me. 
And so it showed me how to step back and consider what was going on inside of me. And this is really the same thing that the quantum living training is teaching us now. They say, no one and nothing is against me. Well, I'm not upset for the reason I think. Same thing, different words. We're never going to rid ourselves of fear, and some fear is helpful, like the fear of being run over by a car or burning yourself on the stove. We have a basic survival instinct for a reason, obviously, but you might notice that that type of what I would call fear is not uppermost in any of our minds. I mean, when I get ready to like, go cross the street, I don't stand there in fear like I'm going to get run over but I am standing there making sure that there is no cars coming before I, I take that step. You would probably call that common sense. But on some level, that's the, the survival instinct kicking in. Reverend James will also say, I mean, so that, that's one kind of fear, but James will also, Reverend James will also say that anger and discomfort often come from the fear of loss. Now, that loss may be the death of a loved one or being laid off from a job or the breakup of a relationship, those really big, life-changing things. And of course, those are going to trigger some fear and discomfort. That's normal. What we often miss is that even small things can trigger that same reaction. What if your favorite plant withers or you lose your favorite earring or your favorite ballpoint pen? What if you lose the photos off of your phone? <laughs> See? <laughs> loss is loss. I actually recently lost a whole bunch of my artwork from my, from my electronic device. And I'm still having this little uh, inside me. Loss is loss, and we feel it, and then we turn it into emotion with a story. And then the fog of fear clouds our minds and we lose sight of love. Yet even in our moments of abject fear, we can get a glimmer of love. It's in our per peripheral vision. We mistakenly think that love is trying to come back in. But love is not trying to come back in because it never left. Love never left. It just got fogged over. And those glimmers are the places where the fog has thinned. That glimmer brings hope. And with hope, the fog begins to dissolve even more. I do find it interesting that though we chop love into categories, lots of categories, we don't tend to do that with fear as much. Basically, it's just fear. I mean, we can say, I'm afraid of something, but we don't call it like parental fear, or, you know, or uh, unconditional fear, or any of those names. It's just, it's just fear. And I want to think that of that because love is the primary source or energy, and it expresses in so many different ways. And maybe the other thing is, is that we act, we react to fear in the moment, react to it. You know, the way I feel when I look at all of you is different from when I, how I feel when I'm with my husband, and different again when I play with my sweet new cat, Maxwell. <laughs> He's hilarious. It feels different when I close my eyes and turn my face to the sun. The feelings 
are more intense or less intense depending on the situation. But no matter what the category, love is expressing. Love is loving us all the time. You know, I prefer to try to stay away from the measuring levels of spiritual energy, the idea of higher and lower vibrations, and, or higher and lower love, and, is, and that is one of those measurements. But it is also a natural thing for us to do. We humans like to measure things, partly because it makes us think we know what we're doing and maybe we might be in control of something. Maybe. But we do, we live in a world of vibration and vibration and frequency are measurable. But a low vibration is not necessarily bad. We have a bass player, not bad. Low vibration. <laughs> he, he, plays, he plays low vibration with a high vibration. And the same thing with a high vibration. You've got something vibrating too high and too fast, it might explode. So, you know, these categories, we have to pay attention to, to what we're naming. You know, and we, so we need context for those measurements. And I think when there is, when it comes to love, there's a spectrum from the material love to physical love, to romantic love, all the way up to into uh, what we might call unconditional love. Unconditional love, how much do we talk about that in, in unity? I think unconditional love is probably the love that just is. Just is. We feel it and don't quantify it, we don't qualify it. And we get there when the emotional fog is when the emotional fog is lifting and we can see clearly that there is not a reason to not love. And you're able to accept people for who they are. You know, you're aware of the earth plane circumstances around them. You love them anyway. The conditions around them dissolve. Love is. Now, I know many people who work really hard at unconditional love because they think it's a spiritual requirement. Now, I haven't seen the book on spiritual requirements, so if any of you have one, I would like to see it. But this is one of the ones that people seem to think, think is. And we live in a material world full of distractions and fear. So to fulfill this requirement, we adopt the mindset of achieving unconditional love or achieving pure love. We can't achieve love because love is not a goal we can set. Love is never not present. Love is what makes us, makes us who we are. And not attaining unconditional love on a 24-7 basis does not make us spiritual failures. We just need to cultivate the ability to put away fear and resentment, clear our emotional windshield, so to speak, and allow ourselves to simply feel, to be. The real goal of prayer and meditation is to clear the way so that we can be in love. I'm not saying be in love, I'm saying be in love. And notice that I don't say so we can receive love. Receiving love implies that love is lacking and that it comes from somewhere else, that I have to bring it in from somewhere out there. Love is here now, active, alive. 
You know, many of you have a story about the first time you stepped into SLC. And some say that you cried even before you heard a song or a meditation or a Sunday talk. You felt like you had come home and you wept. It happened to me the first time I set foot in a metaphysical church at the age of 25. Each one of us who had that experience felt we had, like we had stepped right into love. Now, you may be surprised to learn something. You didn't walk into, that pla into a place that had more love than any other place. You walked into a place that didn't foster fear. You walked into a place that didn't have as much fear. It had more love apparent. So you were able to feel that love in all its glory. This distinction is really important because it helps us know that the love is always there. It just gets covered up. Now, I want to say that love always rises to the top. I want to say that. But sometimes fear is so thick and heavy that love gets buried. And I think we all have that experience. But this is when we need to take our own action. Not to find love, not to give love, not to know love, but to be love. Love expresses love. Love isn't something that you learn to do. Love is what you learn to be. Being love is not a conscious, deliberate action. Being love is walking through life without the fog of fear clouding your energies, running your stories. Will we all be pure love all the time? Probably not. <laughs> but we can realize that love is here, now. And when we realize that love is not something to find or achieve, but to discover, the more likely we will transcend our fears and then immerse ourselves in love and transcend space and time and become one. Because love is, love is here, now, always. Thank you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center